That, that, that's how it's going to be today. Yeah. Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and buy your pedals at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the discussion on the Westminster <laughs> Effects Doxology Podcast lounge on Facebook. Uh, to my Sorry. right in person and not via the internet and hopefully not infected with COVID-19. <laughs> MVP of the ICU ward. MVP of the ICU <laughs> preaching uh, preaching committee of the ICU. <laughs> We're just making this up as we go. It's, it's like Bradley Cox from Greer, South Carolina. It's, it's like who's lined there up it anyway. Uh, and via the interwebs. Hey, everybody. John Ross here. Westminster effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, and uh, grumpy church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska. But are you a sexy boat captain today? Not today. No. Dang it. Dang nope. It. Uh, John, kick us off. Church this week or live streaming this week. <sighs> This one, or whatever man, it is. Th- this one's a little weird because we uh, recorded uh, double services two weeks ago. So, although I attended virtually in my living room with my family, um, you know, in, in in as much as that actually works, um, mm-hmm. and I've got to I've got to think back uh, for a little bit. So, uh, the two Sundays uh, following Easter, um, we did. Uh, uh, just kind of the post-Easter events. So, whoa, excuse me, Diet Coke, kind of rumbling. Uh, that was toes? <laughs> no. Oh, man. <laughs> I, you know, I know that's a thing that, like, I've never actually done it. I kind of want to do it in my mouth and see what happens, but I kind of don't. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that has nothing to do with church. I also had a tuna salad sandwich for lunch, and that's kind of rocking, too. So that's, Mistakes this were be, made. Yeah, it was good, though. Um, anyways, so we did uh, the uh, the two uh, kind of crowning post-Easter event things. We did uh, kind of overviews and, and dives into those. We did um, the appearance to Thomas and then the road to Emmaus. Um, the spin with the road to Emmaus. Was, yeah, so the road to Emmaus was this, uh, was this past Sunday's, at least the service that streamed this past Sunday, and uh, the take on that is uh, is actually, um, in a way, uh, could flow into our topic today, and, and you'll see why once Cody kicks us off on that later. And that is uh, how we can be present yet not at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so on the road to Emmaus, they had no clue until until he he broke the bread until Christ broke the bread and then they were like oh man weren't our hearts burning within us as he walked with us on the road mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah yeah they were dude I, yeah i know exactly what you're saying I, I knew it was him all along what are you talking about um <laughs> so we uh uh we discussed well i say we but uh, pastor aaron discussed how uh in in certain times our circumstances our mindset um, 
can uh, can cloud our judgment, can jade us of, about what's actually going on. And so that was a that was a unique way uh, to explore uh, to explore that event in in a context of um, kind of disarray uh, that that we're in right now. Did uh, did Bradley go to die? I see he uh, disappeared. We're uh, <laughs> we're doing a, uh, a supplies drive for a I think it's a senior living facility that's like uh, two sure. miles away. Oh, nice! And, uh, and someone walked in the office door, and he had <laughs> to go greet them, yeah. <laughs> take nice. the stuff from them. Yeah, there, there's a like, it's okay because all of this stuff will be gone, and no one will want to break in the office. But there is a mountain of toilet paper just as you enter the building <laughs> here, and that's, I mean, that's <laughs> that's white gold right now. Yeah, <laughs> white that gold it is. You know, that's you know, that's the thing is like. You know, I wonder how many how many people in general, but specifically in our our listening audience, have had to settle for something that wasn't their native brand. Oh yeah, yeah, we you definitely know, have. Yeah, and uh, you know, my 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 wife is not a fan of the Angel Soft. She's not a fan See, of the Quilted that's what Northern. We use. Well, that's yeah. what we use when we can't get Costco. You know, uh, sure, or or, sure, when, sure. or when we're too low to go to Costco, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> that your prairie dog in it, and like you just can't quite make it out the door. Yeah. Well, well see, I, I feel really bad for the people who have to uh, use John Wayne toilet paper, as I like to call it, where it's tougher than grit and don't take crap off nobody. <laughs> nice. I think I think that's what spooled up uh, over at the church, actually. <laughs> the uh, yeah yeah the it industri- usually is. The Georgia Pacific brand. If if that doesn't yeah. sound if that doesn't roll off the tongue like comfort, I don't know what does. Georgia Pacific uh, six thousand grit toilet paper yeah. is what that or six thousand grit sandpaper is what that is. Yeah. I mean, we you we know the the, the the trick the trick with that is you've got a you've got a wet sand it. I mean that's that's really the trick. Uh, so you need a you, you know. know so what we need is a church bidet. <laughs> oh man, where's Bradley? Is going downhill quick. Uh, anyways, for the rest of uh, for the rest of that Sunday, um, we uh, uh, you know just uh, did our, our four songs. We usually do uh, five on a non-communion Sunday, six on a communion Sunday. But uh, one of those uh, songs during the five uh, song sets is is usually reserved for offering. You know, passing the plate and uh, and whatnot. And you know, we're not necessarily doing that. Uh, well, we're not doing that physically, certainly. Uh, via the live stream. So uh, shortening things down to four song sets, uh, which make things uh, a little bit more manageable, especially when you're you're having a team, you know, mm-hmm. double up essentially on, on set lists. Um, uh, we have uh, done something a little different with the way uh, the the sermons have been, I don't want to say produced, but that's that's kind of the way it is. So aside from the pre-recording of of, of the band and, and the liturgical components, you know, prayers, con- creeds, confessions, so on and so forth. Um, so our uh, pastor Aaron Hutton from uh, Two Eleven uh, Sumner, which is our I don't want to say our main campus because we don't really have satellites, but it's it's our central campus. It was the it was the first one, right? And yeah. then uh, Pastor Jeff Shike from our Yankee Hill campus, which is the the um, the congreg the congregational extension the campus uh, that mm-hmm. recently uh, got their new building uh, finished uh, earlier this year uh, in like October or something 
uh, they usually, um, sometimes they preach similar messages um, to stay kind of in, in lockstep with one another. Uh, but this time, because we have the ability to pre-record things, they did a a one-on-one discussion with each other um, yeah. to, to do the messages. The conversation uh, kind of format, they're both at a table. Uh, you know, they have uh, scripture, they have their notes, you know, what have you. And they're able to uh, they're able to discuss and have a discourse with one another, and it, it comes off almost like a, a television anchor uh, sort of banter uh, a little bit. But it, it's really cool to see um, our our two pastors of two separate campuses that kind of have the same sort of vibe uh, mm-hmm. coming together uh, to have a discussion to serve as the message for that uh, for that week. And so we've done that in the last two. Uh, and I'm not sure if we'll be going forward with it. I think we are for the third, so that would be this coming Sunday. And then the tenth is a Mother's Day sermon. Well, it's not a Mother's Day sermon, but it's Mother's Day, and so it will be mentioned, you know, just because. Um, and uh, that will be, uh, I think, done individually, uh, if if memory serves, because I believe we have uh, one of our uh, not emeritus, but uh, fill-in uh, pastors. He's a member of our congregation, uh, serves in many areas, uh, mm-hmm. uh, was ordained a number of years ago, left the uh, the ministry as his primary role uh, to follow his passions in, in technology. So, uh, so basically, emeritus in all, for all intents and purposes. Emeritus, but not old. Right. And not under an official call of the church, and so sure. with yeah within within the LCMS uh, to be te- emeritus is technically a position as would be associate or assistant or senior or what yep. have you. Yep. Uh, but in this case, uh, he's just he's a, a congregational member um, with uh, a little more chops than a layperson, uh, if you were. So yeah. uh, that's uh, that's kind of what's been going on uh, with uh, with us. What's what about Rez? Well, I wish Bradley would hurry up and get back so he could really walk us through his sermon because it's Thursday, which hey, is maybe. now our current recording day because yeah. schedules and whatnot, as opposed to Monday when it's much more fresh on my mind. Well, let's, uh, uh, but, but let's going give him the back. benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe some sweet three-ply came in and, you know, you just had to, had to take care of business, you know? Yeah, like, let's hope. Uh, yeah. Let's hope. But, um, you know, back to your, basically your dialogue as sermon I've always been a fan of those for, you know, different occasions. And um, probably the most notable one, or at least memorable for me, was when we did a joint service with the church at Greer Station, and they actually rent our building when the Rona isn't in full effect. Uh, oh, but, cool, but, cool. Yeah, so, so they've been renting our building for this year, but I think it was probably three years ago now where we do an event with them called Halloween Hoopla in downtown Greer. And one of those years, we actually had a joint church service with them uh, before all that went down. And Bradley and their pastor tag teamed a sermon. And we had, you know, a combined uh, band and all that good stuff. And and that was actually well, a really awesome. cool experience where it's, yeah, hey, uh, just because you're not at this specific church doesn't mean that you hate everybody. And, you know, <laughs> yes. we, we can we can kind of get into our, our church bubbles, not not even just denominationally or 
doctrinally, theologically, but even congregationally, mm-hmm. uh, where where it's really easy to uh, to say, well, we have it all together, and that church literally down the street does not. And uh, you know, like that, it's just really easy to fall into. You know, one one thing with with that that's always uh, it actually comes up quite a bit uh, in in the LCMS in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod as well, and I'm sure other uh, uh, sacramentalist uh, churches. Um, yeah. <clears throat> in regards to the Lord's Supper, um, there is a a practice. Not, I mean, not necessarily a doctrine, although it is tied to to Paul's, uh, you know, cautious warnings about taking the sacrament to your to your detriment. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in some congregations, I mean, this, really, there's there's three sides to this coin. There's open communion, which is is what's practiced in in <clears throat> memorialist uh, churches primarily, which is come come to the table, come on, right, get up here, come on. There's close communion, which would be. Yep. Uh, really, anybody who shares the confession, that if you confess that the body and blood is truly present in, with, and under, there's those magic words there, in, wish, in with, and under the bread and the wine, um, that you, uh, you know, that you take this to your benefit as a gift, a uh, gift from God, that Christ blesses you not only with food and drink, but with body and blood, uh, yeah. for the remission of sins, so on and so forth, come to the table. Um, and then there's the third one, which is closed communion, where it's, it's and, you uh, and you and yours, you and yours. It is your congregation, and if yep. you are not a member of that congregation, a card carrying uh, member, if you will, you are not admitted to uh, to the table. And right. uh, you know, you know what you mentioned there about how we can cross those congregational lines. Uh, because it is so easy to come down and and segment our ourselves, even based upon yep. styles of worship. I mean, that was a huge thing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, it, it definitely exists because of other things uh, within Christian doctrine as well. And uh, and although the motivations I think are are well intended, they can really have a divisive uh, impact. So right, yeah, right. Yeah, so Bradley is now behind his microphone again, and yep, thank goodness you have to help us get this thing back on the rails. We decided that uh, churches, if they're going to have such terrible toilet paper, need to at least supply bidets. Oh <laughs> my goodness, are y'all serious? <laughs> yep, got a wet sand. Wow. But uh, so. Our church this week <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> did not involve bidets. No. Uh, we were in James 1, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yep. Starting in verse 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, good uh, works. Lovely. Yeah. So uh, what did you talk about? <laughs> you tell me, Cody. Were you it's, paying attention? I, I was trying to. And and we'll get to that segue in a second. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I just talked about. I think um, I, th- I I'll say this. I think James, the book of James, is often misunderstood um, yep. in general. But I think it's all also misunderstood in in chapter one in particular when you know he moves from talking about uh, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith is producing endurance or steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you might be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Um, when James moves on from that and starts to talk about temptation to sin, a lot of people think he's changing the subject. Mm-hmm. 
but sandwiched between count it all joy and let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, is this encouragement or this instruction to, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. But if you ask for wisdom, don't be double-minded because you won't receive anything from the Lord. I think that certainly when when James talks about temptation he is talking about it broadly but i think he's still in the in the same flow of thought yeah he's trying to help christians avoid double mindedness and um i so what what we talked about sunday was how do we avoid double mindedness and lean into joy in seasons of suffering and i think there's some good little nuggets there when james talks about uh that the crown of life is is what god has promised to those who love him and so this James is the book of James is all about faith. So, with the gift of faith comes affection for God. And, mm-hmm. and I talked about how sometimes in, in very difficult seasons, that's that's one of the ways that I think God proves our faith. The genuineness yep. of it is that you may not understand it all. You might have enormous questions and uncertainty, but what you find deep down in your soul is this love for God, affection for God mm-hmm. that. I think is a proving of genuine faith, right? Um, and so that that was one of the things we talked about was um, in 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 the context of how do we avoid being double minded and lean into joy in times of suffering. And and you you already mentioned this, but I'm I'm pretty sure you also mentioned this last week of you are intentionally using the phrase uh, that God has gifted us this faith. Oh, absolutely. And and you see in verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures like this. And, and it ties in with Ephesians 2. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I use we the, just start walking down the tulip. I use the analogy of, an, of alchemy. <laughs> um, yeah. Alchemy is the, you know, the medieval forerunner of chemistry. An alchemist, among other things, would try to take base metals like lead or copper and turn them into gold or yep. silver, precious metals. And I made the made a point that God's not an alchemist. He doesn't take yeah. like faith in God, saving faith, faith that saves us eternally and also saves us through trial is not something we produce on our own. Yep. If it, if it was, God would be an alchemist. He would be taking something ordinary and human and turning it into something supernatural. Yep. I don't think that's what happens. Yep. Uh, God gives us supernatural faith. It's mm-hmm. the real deal. It's real gold. And then he proves that. He puts it on display through trials and testing. And I think that's James' point. Awesome. So... To professionally segue into our main topic, which I guess will truncate a little bit since Bradley had to go do pastoral things for the... That's for a... We're raising supplies for a senior living facility, is that correct? Yeah, there's a low-income senior living facility, gotcha. about 30 residents here locally that they have to supply all their own things, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the, the the facility doesn't supply them with toilet paper, paper towels, you know, right? Whatever. Right. So we just did a supply drive today to Which take over there. We basically have a gold mine in the foyer. I'm right telling now. you, man. <laughs> like we need armed guards in the front room because there there is the precious. It's it's Fort Knox. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. People really showed up today. Um. So, kind of what I was dealing with in listening to this sermon, like there was this tension that i had the whole time and i it wasn't 
anxiety. I'm not really an anxious person. I, I can get depressed. I can beat myself up like nobody else. Um, but it wasn't that either, but there was just this tension of, this sucks. <laughs> I want to go to church. And, he, and Kristen even said so afterwards. She's like, this sucks, and I want to go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think a, a, not a, a prolonged discussion, but a discussion about anxiety and depression, maybe even how this current situation with the virus uh, could be uh bringing some of that about in some people's lives. Uh, I know I see some of that on Facebook for sure of people just freaking out over anything and everything, whether it's, whether it's the virus itself or whether it's the economy, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's really easy to just be anxious about either of those. Um, So, you know, I guess for the sake of the, this discussion, we're not talking about like chemical imbalances. Like we absolutely recognize uh, those, those are a real thing. Uh, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about circumstantial anxiety, circumstantial depression, uh, maybe even circumstantial uh, anger or bitterness or something like that, and then even how that would affect our worship. So, thoughts? <laughs> we have we have a Lutheran. Luther was plenty anxious and depressed. <laughs> and we have a pastor who deals with a lot of anxious and depressed people. So... Right, right. Am I and, right? And, and, and an ex emo kid. We're practically uh, a panel we of experts. Goodness. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I, I think. It, insert whippering comment here. <laughs> <laughs> it might be helpful to clarify some terms here. Yes. Um, because you know, when when you use the term anxiety and depression. Yep. Uh, those are clinical terms, sure. and we all three of us would affirm that those kind of clinical diagnoses are real, and yep. medical help, yep. professional help yep, is needed, as well as spiritual help. I mean, it's yep. not like the Bible doesn't um, talk about um, anxiety, uh, doesn't have anything to say about how we deal with grief and sadness and, and, yeah. and worry, um, but... In our in our day and time, we we have those clinical terms, and then there are these we we use those clinical terms loosely to talk about a variety of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and what I find a lot of times, and it's and and again, all the disclaimers that we've just made, please hear us. We're not saying that. There's no such thing as real anxiety. And, and if you start feeling that knee-jerk reaction well up, then rewind about Rewind and seconds. listen to yeah. it, yeah. But I find that a lot of Christians that I talk to who come in to see me talking about, I'm, I'm anxious or I'm battling anxiety or I'm depressed, really what they are is they're discontent. Yeah. They're, they're, they're discontented and they're not sure what to do about it. And it's so interesting to me that in Philippians, Paul talks about anxiety. He uses the mm-hmm. word anxiety, or it's translated in the ESV Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Don't be anxious mm-hmm. for anything. He's not using a clinical term there. Right. Uh, same as when Jesus says, don't be anxious for anything. Right? That's right. It's, it's the same thing. Don't be anxious for anything, but by everything with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Mm-hmm. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then it's later in that same letter that he says to the church who had tried to get an offering to him and couldn't. Mm-hmm. Look, I've learned the secret of contentment. Yeah. I know how to abound, and I know how to be brought low. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. So Paul had learned in prison, as well as when things were going really well for him, how to be content in any and all circumstances through his satisfaction in Christ. I count all things as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. His treasuring of Christ and his dependence on Christ yep. was what guarded him from discontentment. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Christians, a lot of people in general, they throw around these clinical terms to really talk about what amounts to nothing more than they're just discontent. And I'm not saying that's not a real battle. It is. I battle that. I Mm. battle that. I'm discontent on Sunday morning when we're not gathering at church. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it's kind of funny. We just talked about that in our zoom life group thing. Uh, we were in Philippians four and, and mm-hmm. Paul even talks about, you know, it was right of you to be concerned for me and share in my trouble. Right. So, so what we're not saying is you shouldn't be concerned right. about viruses or government overreach or anything like that. Those are real concerns, but it's, I guess it, it is more of a contentment issue. Like can, it can be, it can be, it can be, uh, John, what you got? Mm, um, I haven't really, I mean, the, I will say the first thing that came to mind was, uh, uh, not, not about, uh, uh, general anxiety, general depression, but the, uh, the contentment piece, uh, Immediately thought that this would be a good opportunity for our uh, episodic Johnny Piper reference. Uh, hey, you know his uh, his teaching of uh, Christian hedonism. God is most glorified uh, in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Uh, definitely a correlation there, I think. Yep. And you know, this is not something that. I've often considered, you know, I'll I'll be completely uh, I'll be completely straightforward for that. You know, I I actually do uh, struggle with uh, with clinical anxiety and clinical depression, um, and uh, you know, it's a difficult battle. Um, and there's a, you know, there there's a certain amount of uh, of fog of war almost, uh, like w- when I feel something is like is this you know, is this chemical? Is this realistic? You know, where, mm-hmm. I mean, is what I'm feeling right now legitimate? And how can I move move past this? Um, I mean, I will say that as far as circumstantial anxiety and depression, I, I actually don't really struggle with, with that much uh i mean I, I i can say that my wife however uh desperately is at the moment she doesn't listen to the podcast does she uh <laughs> I'm just no, I'm just i think she's in the lounge i think actually um oh okay fly fly on the wall trying to figure out what uh what it is we do here uh which is scary enough uh in and of itself also um, yes <laughs> but um I mean the the anxiety piece. I mean, like not not only is uh, is is she being asked to n- not only be quote quote in charge of the kids while I'm doing my work day down here at my office in the basement, but also now being asked to teach them and to make sure that they stay on their studies, uh, 
to keep track of all the notes from their teachers, um, you know, to make sure things are correct before they get handed in. I mean, there's there's a lot of stress that that yeah. is piled up, and and it not and just certainly uh, she's not alone in this. I mean, uh, I will say that I feel some of the stress on this as well, but uh, it has profoundly uh, affected her, and hmm. and I think that coupled with the inability to escape the curtain, the certain, the current circumstance, you know, having to social distance. I mean, she's very much, uh, her friends are, uh, not to use a, a Pinterest quote, but her friends are her tribe. They comfort her. They comfort each other. You know, they gather around one another, uh, in ways that I can do, but in different ways. Um, that you know the relationship between friends uh, can often be something different and, and something special in and of itself, uh, separate from the relationship and the friendship a, uh, a husband and wife have. Yeah, and so that's not really there. I mean, sure, there's Zoom and and parking lot dates, car windows six feet apart and whatnot, but you know it's not the same. And I I think what she's struggling with and what many others are is is this cascading effect that you know you're you're stressed out because there's all this stuff that you have to do uh you know it's it's difficult and a hassle to go get you know supplies or crafty stuff to make up time uh they get behind on things you know then you start to get anxious um Kids talk back, they don't do their work, makes you feel that you may be failing or that you're not doing it right, and it just stacks up and stacks up and stacks up and stacks up, and eventually uh, it it erupts or implodes. And there's no outlet for that right now uh, for, for many people at all. Um, I mean, I, I don't have anything to really wax philosophical on this about, uh, but it's certainly something that, that I'm seeing, um, that speaking to the audience here, you're seeing, um, and I, I think, I think that the, the difficulty here is, is how to love and minister to another who's, who's bubbled up, whose, who, whose stack is already so high, um, that, Sorry, children. Turn towards your desk. <laughs> to to love on and bless, and bless their hearts. Bless their say. hearts. To love on and minister to people uh, who who are already uh, uh, crested, so to speak, to use to use flood terminology. Um, because you you can't go straight to well, you're obviously just not content. I mean, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's not. Or, I mean, or what a what a that good may term be accurate. For, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Would a good term for that be uh, perspective, where 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 well, you you lose sight of the forest for the trees, so to speak? Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I'm not talking about the COVID nineteen crisis per yeah, yeah, se. Yeah. I, when, sure. When I talk about discontentment, I'm talking about how, like, I, I'm wanting to legitimize anxiety. Sure. Yeah, I want to legitimize depression. I don't want to 
delegitimize either one of those by applying those terms mm-hmm. to what is the more common it's like it's like the difference between the common cold and the flu common cold and covid-19 mm-hmm. is that a lot of christians throw around depression and anxiety when really their problem is just their discontent and i'm not saying discontent is not a real thing that is hard to deal with i think we can battle it and get very sad in it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and but you know john if you've battled clinical depression and anxiety i think you know you it would be interesting to hear your perspective on mm-hmm. the difference between like i think i think you could even scale it i think you can say that a lot of times general anxiety starts with discontent a lack uh, of sure. contentment and yeah. then it 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 breeds and it grows to the point that someone might become anxious. You know, anxiety, my daughter has, um, you know, I resist the term saying she has anxiety. She, because I don't know that yet, but right. she does have a tendency to get anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter takes life in very deeply. Mm-hmm. She's very, very observant. And when things happen that are traumatic, she takes that in very, very deeply. And sometimes she gets in this cycle that she can't get out of, a cycle of thinking that something's bad, I'm scared of it, I don't know what to do. And she, she, you know, she, um, her blood pressure went sky high and she vomited in the doctor's office when she had to get some vaccinations recently. Mm-hmm. And, and it's because her, her thought process gets in this circular it's that vicious cycle. Yeah, I don't, thing, yeah. I don't know how to. John can probably put words to it a lot better than I can. Of what, it, what, what could start as as being discontent or afraid of something and grow into anxiety, and then even comparing general anxiety to clinical sure. anxiety, depression. I mean, I see, I'm, I see three things there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and you're you're definitely right, and. And they are, uh, you know, they are individually uh, separate, but in many cases they don't have to be mutually exclusive. In fact, one can compound upon the other. Um, in in my experience, um, my triggers were. I'm I'm a doer. I don't I don't sit. I don't. I mean, I'm a, I obviously sit. Um, but I, I I don't I don't sit idly. I I don't relax. Um, like and if I do. I'm reading a book, right? Um, right. And like, and, and and yeah, that that is relaxing. But I'm not just going to to sit. Like, I have really a, a hard time, and I think there's an Inquisition question on this later. I have a real hard time uh, sitting and and watching a movie or a TV show. I mean, unless it's something that's like near and dear to my heart, like Star Trek or something like that. Like, I have a real hard time. Um, just sitting and, and idly watching something, or or doing nothing, or or just sitting, you know, in a hammock on the beach. And I've never been in a hammock on a beach, but I can imagine it's similar to a porch swing in in my backyard, and that's nice for a little while. Um, but I'm a doer is 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 what I'm trying to get at, right. and for me, things would end up feeling like a to do list. And no matter if it was big or small, that list would just keep growing like to the size of a CVS receipt. <laughs> and I mean, 
you know, in, in what I mentioned earlier, that, that bubbling up, that stacking up and, and overflowing is very much what it feels like, except the difference is, is you have no consciousness of it. Mm. So when, when I would have a, not necessarily a panic attack. I mean, that's, that's a little different than, than what I've experienced, but, um, when when I would have a anxiety attack, and maybe 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 some maybe those are the same thing. I, I guess I'm not defining them as the same thing. Um, so bear with me, uh, I, I guess, in in my uh, poor grasp of uh, psychological nomenclature. But um, really, for me, when when I would have an, an episode, <laughs> so to speak, like that, um, things would would pile up. Uh, that list would grow. The the things that get in the way of me accomplishing that list uh, would grow. And I mean, this could literally be be anything. It's like, oh, now I can't I can't go take a shower because like there's towels downstairs, and I can't go to the downstairs bathroom because one of my kids is washing his hand. You know, stupid irrational stuff that doesn't make sense. And you have no consciousness of that in the moment mm-hmm. until you get to the eruption point. Mm. And then it is a, for some it's a breakdown, complete inward collapse. Mm. Others, like myself, um, and, and this is this is why I sought treatment, is an outward. And uh, I never got violent. I never got violent. I never got uh, uh, verbally abusive. I never got physically abusive. It was never anything like that. Um, but I got mad. I would get mad 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 and as soon as i was done being mad i would immediately collapse into tears Hmm. and it was at that point that everything that had all lined up to lead to that that explosion as it were became clear Hmm. how ridiculous it was maybe how accurate it was, how sad it was, you know, whatever it may be. But you know, one of one of the biggest things for me when I when I speak to others uh, about what I've experienced uh, and and when I hear what they've experienced as well, it, it's the the unconscious, incontrollable nature of it that you can't rationalize yourself out of it. Hmm. Uh, if you if you expect it, like if 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 you've suffered long enough and dealt with long enough to know your own personal tells, I mean, you can remove yourself from a situation. But that's in it, it itself is difficult because in those moments you're not admitting to yourself that anything is going on because you can't honestly tell. Hmm. I mean, it's it's airy stuff. And you and you said, John, you can't rationalize that. Not not, not in the moment. I mean, you cannot so, rationalize yourself out of it. Like, no, no, it's okay. Like, pull yourself by the bootstraps, and uh, I, I mean, uh, you're not able to. And I'm, I'm asking a genuine question here. Like, are you able at all to simply step back and go, okay, what do I know to be true, and what do I know mm. is not true about what? I, you're not able to distinguish that is, those thoughts. I have not really been able to do that unless called mm. out by in, mostly my wife. Got you. And saying, John, you need a moment. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, John, you need a moment. And mm. um, and because I trust her and I love her and I respect her, I'll, I will do that. And she's almost 100% always right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I've never really uh, talked about this in a in a in a public uh, sort of uh, forum before, and I've got no problem doing that. Uh, I just haven't talked about it in a, in a while as well, because thankfully, uh, by the grace of God, acting through modern medicine, um, I'm uh, um, I'm doing well. Um, but you know, as, as far as like what that does in gen, like how it affects everything else. Cause it, it doesn't just it culminate in those single moments. It, it, it really does affect everything else. And this, this stress and this anxiety that's always kind of there floating. I mean, back to the fog of war analogy. Like, it's really hard to be present where you're at. Mm. I mean, so imagine that as as a, I mean, let's put it in, in context here, as a worship musician. Where, and, and a lifelong theologian and child of the church, I mean, knowing what you are there for, knowing what you want to be there for, knowing who has called you there, knowing it's not about you, um, but at the same time, second guessing everything you make or, or, you know, every move you make, every note you play, um, am I, am I looking the right way on stage? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, you know, it, it, all these insignificant things are so much more impactful for someone who struggles with this on a clinical level. And it, it, at least for me, and I can't speak to others and I, and I don't pretend to, um, but it's so difficult to be present, not only in church, but with with your family. Uh, like you, you almost. Like, it, it sounds weird, but sometimes you just don't grasp that they're your kids. Mm. Like they've made you upset, like so upset. They've done something absolutely incomprehensible. Like why in the world would you do this? And just so upset you you forget somehow you forget that they are you know flesh of your flesh bone of your bone a gift from god living and breathing noisily in the chair next to you uh as it were at the moment this, um, this time literally <laughs> and and how much you desperately love them and you forget about it because everything else is clouding that view. It's, it's weird. And, mm. and I, and as far as, um, taking what we could call situational anxiety, you know, I would imagine that current circumstance, sure. Um, other circumstances that have happened, you know, whether it be uh, a financial recession, uh, a la 2008, whether it be, um, uncertainty of national security, a la, you know, 2001, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, or just you've lost your job, you know, and what are you going to do? I can imagine that some of these same things that I feel or have felt, thankfully, on an unwilling basis um, could also present themselves in a situational or uh, in a situational basis as well. And I, I've probably uh, mixed up some words and some terminology there. Um, but I, and I think that's what you're kind of getting at Cody when, when we talked about this in, in pre-show yeah, is yeah, yeah. that, 
is that there are things going on right now that are affecting us in unique ways that are clouding our ability to be present in the moment because we're either preoccupied or or we're just too gosh darn forlorn to to be uh what we're called to be in that circumstance I mean, is that is that kind of going the direction that that you were that you were thinking? Yeah, absolutely. About? Okay. Yeah. You got um, anything, Bradley? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's raised the topic. He doesn't have any comments on it. Yeah. I, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> here's the topic. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah, I I um i I don't think I've battled anxiety at a clinical level or even a general level um I think i have i've certainly battled discontentment that's what I identify with um where I just can't seem to get myself settled um about circumstances or what I'm going to do how I'm going to do it but i I don't like I hear people like John's story or, you know, it was uh, two years ago I was on a missions trip with a group that we took from our church and and a young lady that was on our trip from our church who battles anxiety at the mm-hmm. clinical level was on that trip. And we got there, we got to the, um, uh, the, the guest quarters where we were staying and um, it was getting pretty late that first evening and she came and found me and... Uh, she said, I've got to go home. Yeah. And she had, her hands were shaking. There was this look of terror in her eyes. Um, and that was the first time I had seen her. She had talked about anxiety to me before her mm-hmm. battle with it. And that was the first time I had seen that in real life with her. Um, and maybe even for the first time ever where I'd really seen somebody on the verge of having an anxiety attack. Like it was that bad and we talked for a little while that night and um i i i really tried to calm her down because it was really too late to take her to the airport um and i just said look let's pray let's let's i I read some scripture with her uh i said let's go to bed sleep and if you're still feeling this way in the morning i will take you to the airport yeah and she the next morning she woke up she was better she wasn't great she was better and as the week went on, she just got better and better and better and had the time of her life on that trip. Um, and but, uh, but I could see there was a real physiological battle going on mm-hmm. there um, that is different than just how I feel when things are not going the way that I want them to. I think they should go or I've planned for them to go. And I'm just not dealing with that well emotionally. That's that's more been my battle and i think it's a lot of christians battle right um i think i think culturally we are not content people mm-hmm. um and yeah. and and with all this disruption i think it's exposed a lot of our shallow uh yep. sandy foundations um that sort of buoy us emotionally mm-hmm. and you take those away and it's always interesting to me when I do a fast and the 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 emotions that I battle in the first few days of that fast. When I hmm. take away things that I have grown maybe too dependent on, it, and and I just remove that stuff from my 
routine, and then all of a sudden I find myself pushing back and feeling somewhat entitled uh, to those things and whatever they might be. And so I, I, I think that, um, you know, the, the battle for every Christian, it, John, you said it, is I think Piper's right. I think we're meant to find satisfaction in um, – can you go see who that is while yeah. I'm talking? Just edit that out, John. It, we're meant to find satisfaction in God. We're designed for that. We're created to bring Him glory by being satisfied in Him. And um, and we're not always going to feel that satisfaction at the, the most um, peak level all the time. We're, we're going to have to battle for it. We're going to have to... Yeah. Fight for it. It's I, like I was living in Psalm seventy-three this week, and um, you know that Psalm is so fascinating to me because he starts with, "I know the Lord is good to Israel," mm-hmm. and then he says the next statement, "But I almost stumbled, I almost slipped because I was envious of the prosperity of the wicked." Mm. Like, like he isn't that like. Those those first three little verses of that psalm are just a little microcosm of the Christian war. Mm. It's the war that we fight. I know the Lord is good, but yet I almost stumble. I almost slip sometimes when I compare my situation to some ideal out there, whether that ideal is another person or a previous way of life before COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, I compare that, I play that comparison game and I almost stumble for envy and jealousy, but then it takes him about 20 verses. He goes from almost stumbling over envy to saying, whom have I in heaven, but you. Yeah. And there's none on earth. I desire beside you. The Lord is the strength of my life. Um, and my portion forever, my heart and flesh may fail, but, but, the Lord is the strength of my life. That's where he ends up, and it's just beautiful. And that psalm really spoke to me this week. Um, another sneeze. Um, that psalm really spoke to me this week, um, and I shared it on our midweek online prayer service just because I, I've battled that. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm growing increasingly weary of not having church, increasingly weary of not having the amount of social interaction that mm-hmm. I'm used to. Um, you know, I had a moment this, I had the last two weekends, I've had something to look forward to that we we did or were planning to do um, that was within the guidelines, you know. Uh, and this week it was like, there's nothing, nothing really to look forward to. We're not going to go to church this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anywhere else to go. Uh, I could do yard work, which I I love about like getting a root canal. You know, it's like I, I <laughs> there, there's just and and I I that psalm was like that was huge for me this week. Is that um, I wasn't envy of the wick. I wasn't envious of the wicked. I was envious of the way things were. Yeah, and I needed to be reminded that the Lord is my portion. He's my strength. That you know. There, there's nothing in heaven I desire besides him or on earth besides him. And and that's that's down deep at the core of Bradley. And it's the same for Cody and John and every other believer. There's this desire for God that anchors us and 
we will battle anxiety, discontentment, depression, and everything in between at times in this life. And uh, sometimes we need medicine to help us. Sometimes we need counselors. Sometimes we need pastors. Sometimes we need all the above. But we always need the Word. We always need to be fighting for our satisfaction in God because at the end of the day, that's really that's really the healing balm we need um, to fight off the kinds of negative emotions that that we might we might fight, particularly in some sort of crisis like this that we're in. Good stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the Inquisition? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right. And this is the Inquisition where uh, we take questions from you, the listeners, via a weekly post on the Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. So if you want to ask a question, uh, get in on that there. Uh, Bradley, this is a question directed to the uh, to the two of us from Ryan Eigel. He said, I found it interesting on the communion episode or virtual communion episode that you and Bradley were not in total agreement on the subject. How do you, as a confessional 1689er, navigate an interdenominational church like Rez? Well, who asked this question? Ryan Eigel. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, because this has been in my crawl, Cody, that you you called me out on this. I'm I'm here on this podcast because you asked me to join you and be a part of it. And I out of the kindness of my soul. I I am. I just came to it. John's face is as red. I wish y'all could see his face. He's laughing so hard. Been in my craw. Goodness Been gracious. Ever since. So, so to clarify, for you're more the you're more southern than a bottle of hot sauce on a tornado. Goodness gracious. <laughs> but uh, to clarify for Ryan, well, one. Uh, when I showed up at Res, I would I would have been a Calvinist, but I hadn't reformed yet, so I became confessional after I got to Res. <laughs> but two, I wasn't necessarily I'm still un- decidedly undecided on the thing, and that and I think that's okay. Uh, you know, I don't have to fight every single battle, and I have room uh, within the Christian experience of you know. Was that totally one hundred percent the best thing to do? It's I don't know. Well, and 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 the truth be told, I, I I I don't. I think I have become more confessional, right? And as well, and we, I think, we don't. The church itself isn't like the statement of faith isn't the sixteen eighty nine or something. No, we have gotten catechetical. We have gotten catechetical, and and. But I think you know the church that we, you and I, are both leaders in. Um, bless our hearts. Bless our hearts. We we there there are and among other leaders. There the church is not probably as a whole where where you and I are even. Mm-hmm. You might be a little further down the road than I am on the confessional track. Sure, but nevertheless, we we are people on a journey. You know, right. you and I didn't grow up with. Like in like like Lutheran John here it, with ingrained <laughs> um, roots. I, in some ways, John, yep. I envy you. Like I like I envy 
the I, I know I know you would say, look, there's there's there, there's reproach to be born everywhere, and I, I get that. But you know, to have roots and to have an identity uh, in the church, there, there's part of me that has wanted that my whole life, and yeah. I've never had it. Yeah, and so I'm very comfortable saying in a podcast or in a conversation, I don't know if I did the right thing. Yeah, because I don't, I don't have a bishop who is is giving instructing me. You know, like the my friend Seth Kane that's been on the podcast before. You know, the decrees are handed down from from yeah. the ivory towers, and that yeah. sounds really negative. I don't mean it that way, but there there's a there things are simplified for him and perhaps for Christ Lincoln in a way because of the traditions that are. You know, pretty well ingrained. You, you know, you'd be surprised on that, and and I don't. You know, I uh, I completely missed that recording session, and uh, um, you know, and I wish I would have been there. Not not because uh, you know, my my beliefs and perspective on on the sacrament differ somewhat, um, but because there's a there's a not a battle, a, a tizzy. There's a tizzy in the executive <laughs> leadership of of Christ. Where uh, we, you know, the the whole thing with with the the Senate layout isn't so much that things are passed down; it's mostly uh, I'm going to use the word enforcement, but I don't mean it as strict mm-hmm. or as malicious uh, enforcement or or ensuring the adherence. Um, to scripture as uh, as explained through uh, the Lutheran confessions, right? I mean, that's really the the role of Senate. That and congregational support, right, and so, um, and so forth. The the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is more of a Presbyterian structure than uh, Episcopal, correct? Yeah, yeah that that would be more that would be more correct. Um, yeah, it's I mean it, it's a little more than advisory, but Definitely less than overseeing um, or or oversight based. I mean, there is this concept of ecclesiastical supervision, but that's just yeah. making sure that like your pastor doesn't go like David Koresh on on someone. You know, <laughs> that's that's really really kind of what that's there for. Right. But um, th- you know, there's something going on right now where in in the topic of of remote communion, you know, there there are uh, I mean, many of these things you discussed, but with the Lutheran perspective and in, in understanding that something actually does happen um, to the through, elements, right? To the elements through the word, something that we can't see, that we can't perceive, but something nonetheless, because of the word of God says so happens. And this is, this is the Lutheran cop out. We call it the sacramental mystery. And, and this is why if I say what we believe to a Catholic, they'll be like, eh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty close. If I say what we believe, um, you know, to, to a 16 guy, they'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, kind of, sort of, yeah, sure. You know, mm-hmm. we, we sit in that middle. Yeah. Acknowledging. Where, where, if, where that, if you say that, if you say that to someone who has been raised in more seeker sensitive, that's where they start tripping up. Sure. Is, is, sure. is that starts to sound kind of out there. Or, yeah. or even, or even, they'll think it sounds just outright uh, Roman Catholic. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, Lutherans will get will get put on that a lot. They're like, yeah. oh, that's even if they know vocabulary, like, oh, that's transubstantiation. And right. No, it's not. They're like, well, then it's consubstantiation. I'm like, no, it's not. It's sacramental union. Totally different. Anyways, right. 
all this stuff leads to this discussion on, well, when does the change happen? And, and what causes it? Is it the pastor making a sign of the cross over the elements? Is it the word of God? Obviously, right. it's the word of God. Um, right. Because without that, I mean, there's no point to literally right. any of it. But <laughs> is is that efficacious through the Internet? Is that efficacious uh, if it's only uh, present? Is the sacrament meant for family units or is it meant for community? I mean, do we need to receive it? Do we not need to receive it? You know, many of these things you talked over and, and you're, you're having the same battles as, as you know, these Lutheran born and raised pastors as well. Uh, some with yeah. doctorates and things like that. I mean, we're having the same sort of uh, struggles regardless of our starting point regarding the sacrament. And, 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 the, and the big, the big, the big point for all of us here is that we are advocates of Semper Reformanda of, we are trying to push our churches and each other as close to adherence to what God has revealed as Absolutely. we can. And, you know, as, as long as we know that we're doing that, you know, yeah. we're, we're not yep. going to, throw any elbows one, one yeah. thing i would what i i would add to and, and we've talked about this a good bit in in light of the you know social distancing and and quarantining and doing church online is that you know a lot of these questions that are having to be asked um particularly among sacramentalists is it like i almost want to say to because because i i don't feel like res is a we're, we're not sacramental in, in that in that sense, we're not we're not we're not blessing the elements. Uh, I would and, I would call you memorialist plus. Yeah, memorialist plus. Thank you. Yeah, game um, of the year edition. I don't know if Cody's <laughs> comfortable with that term or not. I'm okay but, with that. But that's I think that's where we are. I it, think if we're realistic, Cody, about where we are right. as a church, that's yeah, yeah. where we are. Um, and but I think the can we bless the elements through the internet? Like I just, I just would say, let's don't even ask that question because I don't want, I don't want the the lines drawn around incarnational ministry that that's the ideal and that's I don't want those yeah, to get. Fuzzy. Yeah, here, here's the yeah. thing, and, and this goes for for really what the executive team at, at at Christ Lincoln is dealing with, what Res is dealing with, what many churches have dealt with. This is not the situation to wholesale change part of your doctrine um, or or at, least, or at the very least part of your practice. Like um, every day is a good day for exegetical study of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe don't change uh, massive things when you can't gather uh, together with your congregation and, and explain things to them. Totally agree. You know, totally like, agree. like or, and, and, and if yeah. you do what we did, and you just say, okay, we're going to take communion via a live stream. Let's just be honest about the fact that we're not really sure that that's, that's not something we're going to do long term. Sure. We might have, we might have even made a compromise in, in light of the crisis that, you know, if, if we were not in crisis, like I would never encourage that on a, on an ongoing basis. When yeah, when the yeah. when the shelter in place is over, I just wouldn't do that. And 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 I and I I readily admitted in that podcast that I was 
in some ways talking out of both sides of yeah. my mouth. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and so I, I think the, the summary here, and, and regardless of perspective and tradition, is, is really that, uh, and what we can take comfort in, regardless of, of whether you're sacramentalist and do or don't, or whether you're memorialist and do or don't, is that, um, well, it, it, the, the sacrament, the Lord's Supper is, is a means of grace. Somehow, by the grace of God, it is a means of grace. Mm-hmm. The source of that grace, the propitiation for our sin, the Paschal Lamb is Christ and Christ alone, not to be gotten right. by mm-hmm. adherence to admission to the Supper. It's not to be gotten mm-hmm. by baptism. It is meant to be gotten because God sees fit to lay that on you, to lay that grace on you through his means, through his way, in his time. And outside of that, nothing else matters. Right. You've got to bring so, it back to Christ. So let's move on to a very important question from Brian Morris, and that is, is Kim Jong-un dead? <laughs> I think he's on like a cruise ship right now. Which... Dude, I saw the funniest meme where it was weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> and, and they had Kim Jong Un's face there, and, 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 and uh, uh, North Korea announces Kim Jong Un is alive and well, and they're holding him. <laughs> I saw That's terrible. A, I saw a meme of it, it was the Grim Reaper walking up to Kim Jong Un, says it's time to go, and Kim Jong Un says, "Was I a good commie?" And the Grim Reaper said, "No." But you are now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw one. You know, so the the whole thing is is if um, the line of succession in the uh, the 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 Kim the Kims the the line of succession in the Kims is is his sister. Yeah, I think. yeah. Mm. And I saw I saw a meme that was that had her name, and I can't remember it right offhand. Uh, and it was like because uh, uh, I mean. Sh- She's been been blessed with uh, with a a a pleasant appearance. We'll just say it that. And um, I mean that that seems that seems PC. And it was something like uh, uh, slaying the bachelors while slaying the poor, or just oh something terrible, just something terrible. Um, I don't know. Like I, you know, there's there's so much stuff uh, going around on on what is actually going on with uh uh with old bowl cut commie but um it really doesn't matter like <laughs> they're like, going to do something sketchy anyway right mm-hmm. all right yeah, next i mean next yeah. next very important question from Zachary Saucier which bear is best black bear fact <laughs> no bears eat beets Bears, Bears beats, beats Battlestar Galactica. Uh, next question, since we're all <laughs> on the same page right now. Matt Paragoy, uh, what's, he asked what season of The Wire is everybody up to during the quarantine? I'm going to change that to what's everybody watching right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't, what is The Wire? I don't Bra- know Bradley, did you finish The Tiger King? Yes. <laughs> okay, so I've got something to say on this real quick. I, oh, when you were, when you were going over so and giving us giving us like an IMDb level recap of, of this, of this thing. I had no idea that it was like real. No, like I real, thought dude. it was, I thought it was just like a travesty of a show, but like this makes you <laughs> such a worse person for, 
I know. <laughs> like I now understand like I why honestly, you're so torn I up about honestly it. Honestly had no idea what I was getting into. I really had no idea what I was getting into. That's hilarious. I just I had somebody had said something Tiger King and it's crazy. I heard something on the radio. It's crazy. I had no idea what it was about and I was like Mary, everybody's talking about this Tiger King thing. You want to watch it? Okay, sure. And it's like, oh my gosh, we're sucked in now. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, so what Kristen and I have been watching, this is just the last couple of nights, but we're hooked, and she is actually hooked even, is uh, the last dance documentary that ESPN is Absolutely. is doing on yeah. the 97-98 uh, Chicago Bulls, where they knew... That's what I was going to say. They knew that the team was going to get blown up after that year, which was their sixth championship of the 90s, and so they allowed uh, a lot of cameras in, like just almost full access and uh, it's it's pretty captivating, especially, uh, Bradley, I'll make you feel a little bit old. I was 11 years old when they won that sixth <laughs> championship. So Michael Jordan, you know, like when I was watching sports in my very formative years, like it was Jordan, Pippen, and Rodman all I was day. Say, I, I was going to ask because, you know, I'm not a big sports guy, but I figured, right. I thought it was like that generation. Um, yeah, the generation where everyone had like the Bulls starter jackets and, and things like that. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. See, I was when I was 11 years old, I was. You're watching Magic. No, Earth. no, I'm, I'm some Magic, <laughs> but I had this this little tube TV that was barely color. I mean, I say that because you, you talk about color TVs. I mean, this thing. Yeah. It really was terrible. But I it, I don't know if either one of you know about this, but I had the old UHF channels. Oh, yeah. Oh, you just yeah. turn, 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 turn. And I if I, I could find WGN Chicago oh, yeah, and watch the Bulls home games, and I would sit in my room watching those those games, you know, in, in the years when Magic and Bird were beating Jordan. Yeah. Uh, and then I was at Furman Basketball Camp um, – in my high school, I was probably a freshman, maybe mm-hmm. it was ninety-one. Uh, freshman high school when uh, he won his first championship. I was at a basketball camp yeah. with my team that summer, and and so I've been watching that too and loving it. It's yeah. just, I mean, I watched Space Jam, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I I mentioned earlier that that I'm not a I'm not a big TV guy. I mean, there are some things that that I I will invest heavily into, and you know, I mentioned it. And it's a nerdy thing, but Star Trek, um, not the J.J. Abrams, Kelvin timeline. <laughs> what about Picard? For those of you. Yes, yes, Picard. It is a departure from the way that Trek has uh, has traditionally gone in the sense of content. I mean, there mm-hmm. is. Uh, um, this guy I mean, is such a nerd that he doesn't even call it Star Trek. He just calls it Trek. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, by the way. That's, that's, um, but yeah, you know, it's it's a departure content-wise as far as you know. There there is uh, there is some more uh, affectionate scenes. There are there's some there's profanity things like that. Um, but the overarching themes of uh, of kind of seeking a better worldview. Um, that Star Trek, at least the Roddenberry um, ordained Star Trek, as it were, um, mm-hmm. has kind of always shot for. And, and Trek is, is or, excuse me, Picard is is definitely a uh, um, <laughs> the, the uh, pardon the pun is the next generation of that story um, for for multiple well reasons. Well done. Um, that thanks. Um, that I actually watched before the quarantine because I was getting that every um, every week when it it popped out. 
Um, I mean, Doctor Who is another thing that that I'm that I'm big into, um, but uh, I haven't really watched the the current seasons. Not anything against Jodie Whittaker. I just uh, don't have it for free on any streaming platforms, and I want to be selective of what I pay for. Um, but as far as what um, I've kind of, you know, if my wife is watching something, I'll sit down on. There's there's two things. I think they're both on Disney Plus, and one is called Encore. And uh, my wife and I were both uh, musical theater uh, folks back in high school, and then I, I into college. And Encore is where they'll go to a, uh, they'll find like a high school show that was somehow recorded on, on like a camcorder or something in the past, right? And they'll go and they'll regather like the leading people from that cast and they'll reproduce it. Hmm. Um, so these people who maybe are 10, 20, 30, sometimes 40 years past when they perform this show will um, reprise their characters and do this full production. And so that's really cool. And then there's another one called shop class. That's really neat where they take these teams of kids and a shop teacher and they're given uh, certain tasks to complete. One's like build a skate park element. One was build an egg drop rocket. You know, uh, can the egg, can the rocket come back down without the eggs breaking things like that? So, I mean, I guess, I mean, I watch a lot of YouTube um, because I can do other things while it's going on. Um, so, yeah. uh, but that doesn't really count because uh, I, I watch way too much of that to uh, to make a list. <laughs> um, but as far as like show shows, probably those things. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's leave it there. Good show today, fellers. Yeah. Uh, so uh, follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five-star review. You can support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money and help us improve. Pledge to donate $10 a month for a year and get your choice of the Piper Drive version 2, Wickliffe Fuzz, or Pink Trouble Booster. Make sure you email me with your shipping address when you do. We're going to leave you... Hey, John, I actually planned this out this time, so you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> we're going to leave you with a uh, snippet of Will It P-Dubs. We just got a fan fret guitar in. And no so, way. Will the fan fret guitar... Uh, with a 25 to 27 inch scale, <laughs> will that be us? So, All right. So I guess I have go. to edit that and then edit this. So uh, yep, see you in welcome. June, everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to a new episode of Will It P Dubs, where we check out guitar gear from across the gear spectrum and see if it works in a modern church music context. Today, we're checking out the Agile Legacy 62527. I think that's the right number. Regardless, it's an Agile Legacy fan fret multi-scale guitar. Uh, the really cool thing about these guitars and any fan fret guitar is the scale on the lower strings is longer. This gets to a 27 inch scale for extra tension on those strings, particularly with drop tunings. It's really meant for metal, but we'll see if it'll P-dubs it, you know, you can really play any genre of music you want on any guitar. It's just whether it'll sound good or not. So a lot of people will ask, you know, what kind of adjustments do you have to make when you're playing this? And you really don't have to make many. It is a little weird playing open chords down here at first, but you get used to it pretty quickly. Uh, the other question that we'll answer uh, is what about capos? And yes, that'll work just fine too. So let's hit some clean tone. I'm running the Geneva amp sim directly into my interface and here's the bridge pickup. <laughs> Thank you. 
of course, since we are P-dubbing. Dotted eighth delay and the Spurgeon Hall reverb. <laughs> take the wet effects off and turn on the Piper Drive. And let's stack that with the Edwards. You can really hear that gain coming out. Ah, what am I doing? Here we go. Just the Edwards. And a little lead stuff with the dotted eight. And while we're at it, let's check out the capo while this thing bangs around. And we'll just do a couple chords, but you see, those frets definitely are slanted right there, but as long as you kind of know what you're doing with your chord shape. Not a big deal at all. So we'll cut here, show you how it sounds in a P-dubs context, and we'll see it'll P-dubs pretty well, even with these higher output pickups and all that kind of stuff. If you set your amp or amp sim at a, a lower gain setting, make it sh making sure it's relatively clean, you'll be okay. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 